Wake up, America, before it's too late. The Steve Day Show. And greetings. Happy Thursday. Welcome to the Steve Day Show, live and on demand right here on Blaze TV radio and podcast. Steve Dace is my name. His name is Todd Erzin, and his name is Aaron McIntyre. You will learn other names as we commence today's program coming up a little bit later on. We will begin a brand new series on Theology Thursday, a book by Dr. Tony Evans called Kingdom Politics. We begin that series coming up next hour. Three non-political questions as well. At the bottom of this hour, we will talk to somebody who has been doing their own independent investigation of the events of January 6th and the aftermath. We'll have a conversation with him about what he has found thus far. But before we get to all of those things, let us begin as we always do with Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by a poison poke update. After the FDA limited the use of Johnson & Johnson COVID jabs to certain people last year, the CDC announced today the jab is no longer available in the country after last stockpiles of it expired on May 7th. Of course, the mRNA varieties of the Pfizer and Moderna COVID jabs are sticking around forever, so there's that. Meanwhile, in Florida, Surgeon General Joe Ladipo is basically the only state actor in any health department like any stating the truth about the jabs. Quote, tweeting a hit piece about him from the South Florida Sun Sentinel. Latipo writes, quote, Florida analysis shows an 84% increased risk of cardiac death after mRNA COVID vaccines in young men. An English analysis shows a 70% increased risk in a similar age group. Two young boys in Connecticut died days after COVID vax with autopsies showing acute myocarditis. Instead of acknowledging these facts and analyzing their own data, critics perseverate on why I decided not to use an untested method first published during the pandemic, which happens to yield a result they find palatable. Aren't the lives of those who suffered or died after COVID vaccination just like those who died from COVID worthy of compassion and scientific curiosity? Grateful to serve as Surgeon General of Florida and lay out a compassionate, human-centered vision of public health, end quote. Congresswoman Debbie Wasserman Schultz is back to embrace a Democrat tradition unlike any other. Going to devastate our economy. Tourism, construction, agriculture. I mean, you're going to have vegetables rotting in the fields. You're going to have construction sites that will lie dormant uh, or certainly will struggle to get workers to be able to, uh, to, to, to help make sure that they can make progress. The tourism, is it tourism and restaurant industry in particular, you know, rely on, the, on these workers. Perhaps a major development in former Arizona gubernatorial candidate Carrie Lake's lawsuit against Maricopa County and their handling of the 2022 election. This is from a court proceeding this week in which Lake attorney Kurt Olson explains how the Maricopa County election workers responsible for verifying signatures for ballots were apparently superhuman. As our expert will testify, this isn't a question of not getting it right. It's simply they are not physically capable of reviewing the signature, both from the standpoint of being able to do an assessment with respect to the procedures, but also with respect to the functionality of the computer when the images, you have to scroll down to check the record signature. You don't see the scrolling down function. What that log data shows, Your Honor, is that over 274,000 ballots were approved at less than three seconds each. That includes one signature verifier who approved 100% of the 26,900 signatures 
that he verified at less than three seconds a signature. Maricopa's log file data shows that 11 of these signature verification workers approved 170,000 signatures at a rate of less than between zero and 2.99 seconds with a 99.97% approval rating. That's not signature review, Your Honor. Simply flashing a signature on the screen, clicking a button and moving on is not signature review. The FBI sent two female agents to the childhood home of progressive anti-abortion activist Elise Ketch. In footage of the intimidation attempt obtained by the Daily Signal, the two agents can be seen showing Ketch's mother their badges and asking to speak with Ketch. By the way, this is Elise Ketch. She's a pro-BLM, anti-capitalist, pro-trans Democrat who happens to be a member of a progressive organization dedicated to ending baby killing. That group, called Progressive Anti-Abortion Uprising, was responsible for exposing the bodies of five premature-sized murdered babies from the clinic of Washington, D.C. abortionist Cesar Santangelo. The group has since been the target of the Department of Justice over inquiries into the Freedom of Access to Clinic Entrances Act, which the DOJ has used to harass and target other pro-life organizations. And now you understand why maybe the FBI was looking for her. Yesterday in Calgary, Alberta, high schooler Josh Alexander was arrested for handing out Bibles on a public sidewalk. Alexander, you may remember, was the high schooler suspended from his Catholic high school in Canada for publicly stating the truth that boys are boys and girls are girls. Social media continues to be a strong value for young adults as a new survey reveals a majority of teenage TikTok users would give up the right to vote in order to keep access to the popular video sharing app. The Reboot Foundation found 59% of young adults with TikTok accounts said that if forced to choose between their social media or voting rights for one year, they'd give up the latter. Among teens, the rates of voluntary disenfranchisement were even higher. 64% of those aged 13 to 17 said they would give up their vote to keep social content flowing. Learning Chinese today, today's phrase is, your terms are acceptable. And finally, this one hit close to home, courtesy of comedian Mark Pruksh. One of the best ways to drain people's energy nowadays is via the internet. This woman is a astrophysicist. Actually, this is not how space works. Read a book. Now I just wait for the comments to come in. Hey, can you mansplain any louder? Yeah, sure. These are all different accounts that I have set up. The energy you get this way isn't quite as pure, but if you do enough of it, it'll fill you up. Shanghai sucked. Where was the Chinatown? Jason Mraz is just too weird for me. Jesus actually hates horses. Childhood obesity, LMFO. <sighs> when they call you a dumbass, you know you've got them. They called me a dumbass. Women are getting too tall. Yeah. You can drain their energy via social media without having to even be near them. That is racist. You're correct. <laughs> it is. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, they hate me. It's surprisingly simple to get total strangers completely furious with you. They should get a life. And that's what happened while we were away. <laughs> <laughs> I was uncomfortable watching that. Very uncomfortable, as a matter of fact.
Uh, Aaron's wow. You see why it hit close to home? <clears throat> that that hit a little close to home. Like maybe I, maybe I've, I've fallen for that guy a time or two over the years. Yes, or or something like him. Yes. Aaron's Montage brought to you by our friends over at Eden Pure Air Purifiers. You can't go wrong with Eden Pure. That's why they have so many positive reviews from within our audience since they came on board last year. Uh, It doesn't just provide fresh smelling air. It eliminates the odors, the mold, the mildew, the bacteria, even some viruses that are causing that air to smell and feel the way that it does. And that's why you guys love them. And they're filterless. You'll never be replacing filters in the future, either out of pocket for an expense or with your own time. You can get them for packs of three for whole home protection. All three units for under $200. That is a fraction of the cost compared to their probably not as good anyway competitors. And they offer you free shipping as well. You simply can't beat it. So see if you might be the next person to, to, to blast me off an email about how much you love your Eden Pure air purifier. When you go to EdenPureDeals.com and use the discount code Steve for the discount on the three-pack and the free shipping. EdenPureDeals.com, discount code Steve. Later today in our overtime, we will be recording for Blaze TV subscribers. Our thoughts on teenagers saying, yes, we would give up the right to vote in order to hold on to access to TikTok. My initial thoughts are, your terms are acceptable. But we'll find out what everybody else thinks when we get into the overtime later today for Blaze TV subscribers at blazetv.com slash D-E-A-C-E, blazetv.com slash Dace, which is also where you can go if you're not yet a Blaze TV subscriber and you would like to become one. You can for just 10 bucks a month. Don't miss any of our exclusive content we do every day right here on Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash Dace. All right, let's get to the montage. And there's a lot of clarifying things in the montage today. Um, let's just go front to back. Let's start with the Janssen vaccine or the Johnson & Johnson vaccine being removed. Now, this was the, the least utilized uh, jab during the uh, the aggressive uh, jab proliferation phase. I think I saw at one point less than 12% of people were utilizing it. It also uses adenovirus or more traditional kind of vaccine technology, albeit the delivery mechanism still includes those dastardly lipid nanoparticles, all right? Uh, but it's, it's, it was the one that was... Uh, given emergency youth author, use authorization that did not include mRNA. And so with its batches essentially exhausted, the FDA has, as Aaron pointed out, pulled them off the market and said there's no point to risking any, 30, any, any further more uh, adverse events like thrombosis or anything else with these vaccines. We'll just pull them off the market now. We've exhausted the batch anyway, and so there's no point in renewing the EUA. And yet, this is very clarifying. So the, the Johnson & Johnson vaccines that don't utilize the experimental mRNA technology, they get pulled off the market much later than they should have been pulled off the market. But they get at least some form of government regulatory oversight. It is way too late. It is insufficient, but they got some, right? They mm-hmm. got some. All right. Meanwhile, the mRNA products, 
utilizing technology we have never mass injected into people before because one of their primary manufacturers, Moderna, had never even successfully brought a product to market before in nine years or something. Um, They remain on the market. Why? Because what happened to Johnson & Johnson isn't really regulatory oversight. What happened to Johnson & Johnson is classic utilitarian ethics. Okay, if we just look at all this through a biblical worldview here lens, or biblical worldview lens here, I should say. Um, Johnson & Johnson got culled from the herd. From each according to his abilities, for each according to his needs. They're, they're no longer worth the outlay, the output. If they were really concerned about the safety of the Johnson & Johnson vaccines, they would have done this many, many moons ago. They're doing it now, though. One, now that the supply is essentially exhausted, they're doing it. So it's not like Johnson & Johnson's going to take some kind of definitive loss here, right? I mean, basically, they're just not going to make this anymore. But they got their full run of the revenue stream from this, right? Mm -hmm. They got the full run of the revenue stream. So it's outlived its usefulness, both in terms of the supply... And then also in terms of the grief to profit ratio. You know, a tree by its fruit. That's in a biblical worldview, right? Yes. All right. So Johnson and Johnson finally gets pulled after it's done. And it gets pulled while all the MRNAs remain. Which goes to show you this isn't about regulatory concerns. The government here has done what our government has been doing on many fronts and has done multiple times during COVID by, de- by determining which businesses were and were not essential and non-essential. Johnson & Johnson didn't make the cut. They fell, below the cu- they fell below the cut line. Meanwhile, the mRNAs with another fleet of these dealing with everything from RSV to flu to cancer, they've got a whole battalion of these injections that didn't work at all. According to the CDC's own data, if you go and look at the vSafe data, again, what is vSafe? vSafe is an independent verification process that CDC set up specifically and singularly to follow the efficacy and safety of the COVID vaccines. And they did so apart from VAERS, which by law, they are supposed to be monitoring, but it's very clear they are not. The same law that gave them indemnity is what established the VAERS system. Instead, they created this independent system that doesn't get nearly the notoriety and publicity, even though it has over 10 million people it's monitoring, a massive cohort of of data to sample. Back in January, a Michigan State economics professor, not caring about medical efficacy, he's just looking at hard numbers and data. He went in there and looked at the V-safe data only through 2021. This was only through 2021. So the period of time when the jabs in their initial rollout against the initial strain of the virus should have shown their most amount of efficacy, their most amount of uh, reward to risk. And what he found from 2021 is that the ratio of adverse events reported amongst the 10 million people within V-safe was roughly about 7% 
which is almost exactly the percentage a Rasmussen poll earlier this year found of Americans who believe someone in their household has been the victim of a a serious adverse event as a result of the COVID vaccines. It was almost exactly 7%, which is almost exactly what is within the vSafe data through the end of 2021, according to this Michigan State professor study. Well, Steve, that still means there's a 93% chance nothing happens to me by taking the jab. Well, yet, yet. We don't know. We, we have no idea, actually. We're going to learn all this. You're the trial subject. We're going to learn all, because they, they still don't want to give you a lot of what's in their own data. So we're going to learn off of you people. You're the experiment in real time. We're going to learn from you what the long-term ramifications are of injecting your body in this, with this genetic material that goes all throughout your bloodstream and doesn't just stay in your arm, as they told you, which was another lie. But even if we just use that data... Folks, we have pulled vaccines off the market for safety markers not even approaching 1%. Because again, by virtue of the fact that they're new, every single vaccine that is new is some form of an experiment. Because they're new, right? Mm-hmm. They're all experiments. It's just a matter of whether the technology that was used to make them, how experimental is that technology? And in the case of the mRNA vaccines, both with the mRNA itself and the lipid nanoparticle delivery mechanism, the whole thing is an experiment. That's why when they start seeing those safety markers before they even get something like 1%, they'll pull them because this is only becomes it's likely if they see it that early on, it's just a force multiplier with added injections. Not to mention, we gave more of these injections than any other injections. The government promoted these more than any other injection it's ever promoted. And for a period of time, told people they could not work. And any significant sized business without taking them for an even longer period of time, told two of the largest employment sectors in the economy, the military and healthcare, you could not work there without taking them. So it coerced and forced in total violation of every syllable of the Nuremberg Code, forced people to line up to be an experiment or to take the mark, basically. And so here's what this data showed through 2021. When you look at the risk to profit ratio, the risk of taking the jab as opposed to not taking it. And this is before we even stratify for comorbidity like age and a pre-existing condition, morbid obesity, autoimmune, diabetes. These are all things, by the way, usually associated with people who have some form of vitamin D deficiency, which was the number one marker for a COVID hospitalization. 2.1% of people before we stratify for age and comorbidity had to be hospitalized for COVID. 0.6% of those infected before we stratify for age and comorbidity were killed by COVID. When you do those numbers and compare them with the 7% number within the CDC's vSafe data, and then you extrapolate that data to the fullness of who, that's your sample by which to poll the entire populace, okay? Here's what you get. There was a 233% better chance that you would suffer a serious adverse event from the jab, from the poison poke, then you would be hospitalized for COVID. And again, that's before we stratify for age and comorbidity. If you are a 27-year-old man like Aaron, 
that number goes way up higher, for example. There was a 1,067% better chance that you were more likely to suffer a serious adverse event from the jab than you were to die from COVID. And again, if you're a 27-year-old man like Aaron, that number goes way up higher than that. That is a democide. That is the targeting of a demographic, whether intentional or not, for extinction. And that's what Joe Latipo is talking about in the tweets that Aaron shared, who runs what is still the only healthcare department in the entire freaking hemisphere, Florida's, telling even a modicum of truth. Latipo is holding back, folks. He's holding back, and he knows. He knows he is. He's only giving you some of this top-line, most serious talking points. It's far worse. When you start getting into the loss of hearing and everything else, those numbers are far more cataclysmic than even the cataclysmic ones he's sharing with you. So here's the clarification you have received. Pfizer, Moderna, and other entities that will create more of this mRNA technology for mass injection, they matter more to your government than you do. Your government is totally fine killing you. Taking years off the back end of your life with cardiac, uh, you know, arrests, I'm sorry, with cardiac uh, debilitative diseases like myocarditis. Making it that you don't have hearing on one side of your head for an indefinite, maybe permanent amount of time. Totally fine with it. You exist to be chattel for Pfizer and Moderna. Not the other way around. That's exactly what Debbie Wasserman Schultz is saying. What did I say the other day on this show? Every worldview clash in a culture, from a moral standpoint, comes down to one question. Life or madness? Every single one. Every single one. Life or madness? That's what they all come down to. So, your health agencies on a federal level have chosen madness. Your state health agencies, with one exception, have chosen to enable said madness or look the other way. And the only exception is Florida's. Debbie Wasserman Schultz. You know, Democrats claim to be uh, progressive. I've told you for years, they're just regressives. Now, normally I I say that in association with them trying to take us back to a pre-Christendom, pre-Judeo-Christian understanding of the world or what we used to call Western civilization. In this case, I'll give them credit. They're not taking us back that far. In this case, they're only taking us back to the arguments they made in the 19th century, that we require a permanent underclass, always of people not white-skinned, a permanent underclass of people not white-skinned to perform the medial Uh, The menial uh, tasks, uh, the basic labor, whether it's picking cotton or picking uh, vegetables, and far below market value in order to sustain our elitism. And that's the same argument of the Southern Democratic plantation owner in the 19th century, and that's the exact same argument that Debbie Wasserman Schultz is making. The only thing that's changed is the tint of non-white skin. It was darker in the 18th century with blacks it's a little lighter now with hispanics and brown-skinned people but it's the exact same argument there's nothing new under the sun life or madness that's the choice on every issue life or madness so let's have madness someone's got to pick the vegetables 
apparently there are no native Floridians that would be willing to work at restaurants or anything for like a sustainable wage. And so therefore we have to have the world's largest human trafficking outpost at our southern border so that someone will pick Debbie Wasserman Schultz's vegetables. When I say that out loud, what does that sound like? Madness. It sounds like madness, doesn't it? But that's, that's the proposition. That is the proposition. Scores of brown teenage girls have to risk being sex trafficked into the porn industry so that someone, so that their parents will be able to pick Debbie Wasserman Schultz's vegetables. She said this. I'm not putting words in her mouth. Those are hers. I'm only attaching the implications of her arguments. Rich suburban kids who can afford it in all these border states, they have to risk being the next to sadden their parents with a fentanyl or opioid overdose that kills them so that someone will be able to bust the dishes at Debbie Wasserman Schultz's favorite restaurant. That's what she is saying. It's madness. It is absolute madness. And that's because every choice in every culture on a moral level is always a choice between life and madness. Well, why is that, Steve? Who's the author of all life? God. Therefore, we are choosing God or insanity. That's another way of quantifying it. God or insanity. If God is real and if God exists, that is the ultimate reality, correct? Yes. And therefore, to do anything that is outside of his will, if he, is the, if he represents ultimate reality, then to do anything outside of his will is to deny what? Reality. Reality. Which is another way. We have a clinical term for people who chronically deny reality. What is that term? Crazy. Crazy. Insane. Nuts. So life or madness, those are your choices. FDA chose madness. At the border, we choose madness. I know it doesn't seem like it, but that's the argument being made in Maricopa County as we speak. It is absolute madness that they could go through and verify the signatures on all those ballots in that amount of time. It's just not humanly possible. It is madness. It means it, means it stretches the bounds of credulity to suggest otherwise. And everyone knows it. My buddy Chip Roy just got up in the Congress an hour ago and just literally stood up and this is all he said. It is quite obvious to everyone who has eyes that Leah Thomas is in fact a dude. It's obvious. Saying anything else is insane. To, to, to claim that you can go through, is it, what's the number, 170,000 or 270,000 in that clip area, oh, something like that? Yeah, there were a couple of different figures, but they were in the hundreds of thousands. Okay, to claim you could go through thousands, hundreds of thousands of, of signature verifications on an average of three seconds and come back with a near 100% approval rate is madness to assert something like that. And everyone knows that it is. Everyone knows it is. We're back to the Solzhenitsyn line. We know they're lying. They know we know we're lying or they're lying. We know that they know that we know that they know they're lying. And yet they keep lying anyway. It's madness. A Catholic school kicking out one of its students for saying that men are men and women are women. That's madness. 
It's absolute madness. Indeed. It's just absolute madness. The government of Canada now arresting him for sharing Bibles. And it's, that, that's, that is like, speaking of political prisoners, that is like a scene out of some 80s you know, re- news report from the Soviet Union or one of the Eastern Bloc countries arrested for sharing Bibles. There it is. Calgary, Alberta, Canada. It's getting pretty close to being Carlisle, Iowa. Too. Yes, it is. And it's getting pretty close to being just about everywhere. Mm-hmm. That is the choice everywhere. It is life or madness. There is no other moral choice. Anything you choose to do that devalues human worth, dignity, autonomy, and agency is madness. There are only two options. There are only two choices. Life or madness. You have no other. That's it. And so that's why it seems like the FBI showing up at the front door of of a woman that literally checks every box they could possibly want. Everyone dares to follow a contrarian conscience on one issue. And it happened. And what's the singular issue, by the way, that she dares to follow her own contrarian conscience on baby sacrifice yeah life yeah and suddenly hello we're the fbi every choice is life or madness there are no other choices we will either edify exemplify and amplify human worth value and dignity or we will embrace madness and there will be no exceptions and nothing in between Baker is the Pragmatic Constitutionalist. However, and you can check him out if you want at thepragmaticconstitutionalist.com. That's thepragmaticconstitutionalist.com. However, some of you may have seen him recently on Fox with Tucker Carlson before Fox decided it just didn't want to tell the truth as a network anymore and canned him. Thankfully, we have Steve here with us in studio today. It is a pleasure, brother. How are you? Thanks, Steve. It's great to be here. And you have you have uh, had some interesting conversations in your travels, getting into what truly happened at January 6th and its aftermath. Um, My understanding is even before you were on Tucker's program, you were in touch with his staff. Yeah. And as they were looking to try to dig in to what was really going on, probably looking for some context to the footage they were about to receive from House Republicans, I would imagine, along those lines and everything, too. Exactly. Actually, they called me specifically asking me what they needed to be looking for when they got access to that 41,000 hours worth of video. Okay. And then uh, you spoke to Congressman Jim Jordan from Ohio, who was running the Weaponization Committee. You met with him, and that was just recently, right? Just two weeks ago. Yeah. All right. So with those credentials established, Let's get to the beginning now with you. What's your background, and how did you get into covering this story? <laughs> the background story is long, but it's uh, f- over 40 years as a professional musician. Uh, my hobby was as a writer, and I liked writing about politics, doing analysis, commentary, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, AOL, CompuServe became MySpace. MySpace became uh, uh, Facebook. Facebook became a blog. And... Then uh, COVID came to town and the government told me I couldn't work for a year and a half because I was 
performing as a live musician. That's mm-hmm. what I've done. That's how I make my living or, mm-hmm. or was up until that point. And so for the first time in my life, I decided to monetize the other side of my my brain and began doing investigative journalism. First of all, in COVID, I, we, I was working on a book uh, myself uh, with uh, uh, C. Edmund Wright uh, when then January 6th happened. And then uh, that kind of knocked the, <laughs> knocked the legs out from underneath our book project. And then I became focused not exclusively, but about 80, 90 percent of my work since January 6th has been on that topic. What was your MacGuffin? What was what was the moment, the plot device that that said, okay, something smells rotten in the state of Denmark here. Something doesn't quite add up. What was it? Well, I was there. And I took a lot of video. I was there as a writer. I was there as a journalist. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've done my FBI interview. And they have not prosecuted me. So they, they, they know. They know that I had an extensive background in writing. So it would be pretty tough for them to drag me. I wasn't one of those guys who showed up that day with a, a cell phone and claimed his citizen journal, journalism on the spot. So they, they had the background. And the, the MacGuffin moment was when I got home and started doing frame-by-frame analysis of my own video and started seeing the things that I couldn't see with my own eyes, you know, uh, on the, you know, you got uh, this incredible the scene. The eye in the sky doesn't lie. Well, yeah, yeah, but yeah. this, yeah, exactly. But this, it, it, this incredibly kinetic moment where there's so much going on. And, and so did I, you see, I want to pause yeah. there. Did you see violent outburst riot activity do you witness them because i heard from i heard from a ton of people in my audience that went to the event and then when trump got done speaking just jumped on their buses and started heading home and back to the airport and then they get back to their hotels and stuff and start seeing these reports like what the hell happened i didn't see any of this happen so you did see some of it actually happen in real time steve and the other thing that you can't understand unless you were there is you could be 20 yards away from violence taking place and have no idea that it was because of how many people were there. there it was such an a, 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 you know, sardine-like situation mm-hmm. with tens of thousands of people pressed up in the area. And plus, because of angles and steps and that sort of thing, you could be there singing the national anthem, chanting, uh, and, and enjoying the revelry of the moment with your flag flapping in the breeze and have no idea that violence was going on until you left that okay. event. But I was on the front line actually filming it. I will admit, in the immediate aftermath of what I was presented and saw, I was appalled. Yeah. And, and and communicated that accordingly to my audience and just said, hey, this is a, a precedent we just can't establish, at least not if we are serious about um, not just handing our enemies the sort of fodder that they will use against us forever. What what started to, to click in my brain was about was the was the death of Ashley Babbitt and her murder. And when I found out that the guy who actually took the video that many of us first saw of her killing is someone who is a self-confessed Antifa member from like Salt Lake City, Utah, I believe. Yeah, John Sullivan. And he had somehow made it from Salt Lake City, Utah. Now, now keep in mind, I'm, I'm hearing from all kinds of people in my audience. We were there, didn't see anything, we got back home. Right. We're blown away. I mean, we, we didn't even know this was going on, right? So I'm hearing this from scores of people in my audience. And yet somehow this one Antifa member from Salt Lake City, Utah, manages to travel all the way from Salt Lake City to Washington, D.C., nearly the width of this continent. Right. And he just so happens to strategically be in the position where he alone can capture the real-time video of the one person who, uh, or the first person we know of, that was murdered that day, Ashley Babbitt. The odds of that are beyond astronomical. 
that what I just witnessed with COVID and all the work I'd done on that subject, I just, that one, that one taught me there's just no such thing as coincidences when we're dealing with random rando acts and, 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 and events at this scale of, 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 you know, climax and impact. And that, so, so it took me about 48 hours or so until that revelation. And that's when I started talking to people like my buddy, Julie Kelly and others. Yeah. I'm like, okay, I mean, that's something doesn't smell right, but initially, yeah, I bought into now nah, that's that, that we can't act this way. We can't behave that way. And, but that was the moment for me that something clicked and said that the odds of him getting there and just happening to be there to shoot that video are just beyond impossible. Well, the odds of John Sullivan's story gets even more uh, astronomical when you consider the fact he was actually also on site at a shooting in Provo at another BLM Mm -hmm. uh, Antifa riot there. Mm -hmm. And then he was right next to the shooter. Mm -hmm. Once again, next his next step is Why has this guy been hired by a major network with these incredible... Uh, he's a bloodhound. He's a, he's, a, he's a news hound. He's got incredible journalistic instincts there, Stephen. It, it appears to be. Well, I interviewed his brother two weeks after January 6th, mm-hmm. and his brother told me that John was in the BLM Square Park uh, area there in D.C. the morning of January 6th handing out Trump hats to his own followers. So we know they were there. And I saw, you know, I, I saw everything. I saw uh, bad people doing bad things. I saw good people doing good things. I saw otherwise good people doing some really stupid things that day. Some of them were Trump people that got caught up in the moment. Sure. Uh, it absolutely was there. On review of my own video, I began going, wait a minute, who's that? What's that? And then you started recognizing the pros in the crowd. You recognized the pros, uh, the professional provocateurs. You recognized what the late um, uh, Senate Sergeant at Arms, Michael Stinger, said in his only congressional testimony before he died. He said, we need to launch an investigation into who paid for these people's travels and these these professional crisis actors, essentially, is what you're describing. That's exactly the provocateurs right. is Ray Epps. Who is Ray Epps? Would you, uh, did you think he's one of these people? Well, I, I do know that John Solomon is about to drop a news story on him. So from, I'm gonna, from uh, uh, got news. Yeah. So I'm not going to just not, the news. Yeah, I'm not going to steal his thunder. But uh, I've done a lot of work on Ray Epps and the, the most interesting thing about Ray Epps is not what we've all seen. It's what we're, we have not yet seen. And there's a lot of video, additional video out there about him that most of the public have not seen that what really is, implicates him. What is the benign, innocent explanation for someone on video the night before literally telling people we got to go into the Capitol, we have to go into the Capitol. And of all the people that were involved in either proclaiming that or doing that, he is the one that has not been arrested or indefinitely detained. What is the benign innocent explanation for the that? The benign answer given to the um, the House Select Committee sham hearing that was held is, and in his scripted testimony, uh, was that, you know, he was just excited to take his voice and his First Amendment right into the Capitol, that he did not know that the Capitol building was closed at that time due to COVID lockdowns, and that he thought that they could just go into the Capitol that day. That was his benign and scripted answer. But we now know that there, that the, the story goes much deeper than that. What have you, unco- and I recognize that, man, I have touched on a lot of topics that they tell you you can't touch on. First of all, I do a show based on a biblical worldview, and they always told me from the beginning, no one will listen to that. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, we're going to find out. Right, that's right. what I'm going to do. All right. So, I mean, all the COVID stuff, the jab stuff, I never got, despite all of the their narratives that I have pushed back on in the last few years, I never, ever got contacted by one of these fake news guard agencies ever, mm-hmm. ever, until 
one day in January, we we had a, a man on who is who called us from the federal penitentiary, and he actually did commit an act of violence that he claims is in self-defense on January 6th. He admits mm-hmm. that he did it, yeah. but claims it was in self-defense and to defend someone else who he was trying to save their lives. Right. Okay. All I didn't take his side. I just wanted to hear what he had to say. I let him come on live on the show from the federal penitentiary, and literally hours later. I suddenly get a note from one of these NewsGuard fake check, uh, you know, agencies. Mm-hmm. We're monitoring you, and that's what really showed me. Wow, yeah. this this issue has even more potency to the regime than even the COVID stuff, the jab stuff, the election stealing stuff. Of all the stuff I we have pushed back on on this show, this was the one that put me on the radar, and that yeah. showed me quite a bit. So as you have gone through this story. Give us one or two things that you have discovered that our audience should know that is not common knowledge about this story. The the most important thing that the American people have got to understand and that Congress needs to understand and the Congress members sitting on the Weaponization Committee and otherwise, and this is what I told Jim Jordan and um, uh, Mike Johnson from Louisiana, Representative Mike Johnson, just two weeks ago. I said, with all due respect, sirs, what you're not calculating in your resistance to cover J6-related issues in weaponization committee is the precedent that's being set in federal court federal district court in dc in every one of these trials steve thousands of trials and precedent is being set against and this is the most important thing speech because in these trials if you were one of these, what I call the accidental tourists who saw the door open and you heard on their cell phone, honey, I, th- I think they're letting us in. Mm-hmm. And then you went in for 11 minutes and you did a little bit of filming and then you walked out. Then you got arrested. You, know, you got swatted. You, you, know, you got the red dots on your chest at six o'clock in the morning, but you got swatted. And then you pled down to a single misdemeanor offense and you got two years probation, a thousand dollar fine. And maybe you lost your job. Maybe both of your, the husband and the wife lost their job. And that's exactly what happens in this, in this this particular um, circumstance. But if you did exactly the same thing and you walked through the Capitol and you waved your flag and you chanted, whose house, our house. And then when you walked outside, you did a Facebook live and, and said, hey, we stormed the Capitol today. Ha ha ha. Like that. You got two months, six months, eight months in prison. And in addition to that, every single case is based on Americans' use of scary words. Mm-hmm. And that's what is causing the long, doubled sentences in most cases. It's what you said. It's not what you did. Your behavior was the same. You may not have broke anything. You may not have attacked a, a police officer. You did no violence whatsoever. But if you talked, your sentence was twice as long. And these precedences and others related to the motions that are being filed, uh, the fact that nobody has gotten a change of venue, despite the fact of the overwhelming um, uh, impossibility of winning a case in D.C., that these precedences are being uh, ensconced into federal law, and they will be used now against the rest of us, not just the thousand people that have been uh, jacked up so far, not the other thousand that they have committed to arresting uh, going forward, but this will affect every single one of us us who use our voice in a way that the narrative of the government uh, is they find it disapproving what was congressman jordan's reaction because we have sat here and we've watched republicans like him not do a damn thing as big tech has essentially already begun in the private sector to enforce 
the very precedents that you're talking about the government trying to establish in the public sector. So what was his reaction when, I, he, when been, you said this to him? Yeah, I've been very hard on Jim Jordan. In fact, I, I, I initiated a tweet storm that, that really hit home, and that was why I was able to get the access that I did. And in the, in the process of going through, getting to him, I, I, I rehearsed in my mind a 30-second speech and then a 60-second speech, thinking that that's all I would get. Mm-hmm. But the 30 seconds of the 60 seconds had enough impact that I got over 10 minutes. And, and I said to him, I said, respectfully, sir, you don't understand. And I even went so far as to tell him everything that I just told you about the weaponization of the Department of Justice and how that's being used in the court cases. But I also told him, I said, I've been developing whistleblowers within the Capitol Police. I've done an extensive uh, written series on the Capitol Police. And we have a dozen whistleblowers willing to come forward right now if they know they can get protection from Congress. But they don't know that. They're seeing the retribution and the retaliation by the different agencies against the whistleblowers are coming forward, and they're scared. I have, because of my series on the Capitol Police, they're contacting me directly and privately. And then in addition to that, I have two stories I have sitting in the can right now I cannot release without Jim Jordan's protection. And I told him that, and he... His reaction was, he asked for a piece of paper, he wrote my name and my phone number down and slipped it in in its pocket. And then uh, Representative uh, Mike Johnson from Louisiana, he told me that, promised me three times that his chief of staff would be calling me right away. That's that's, uh, 15 days ago. Haven't heard from them yet. So right away is a relative term. Yeah, apparently. I know they're busy. Yeah. What would you say to the average person in this audience right now? about how to how to be a citizen and or activist in the current environment we have don't be scared do not stop do not stop making your voice be heard do not stop posting on facebook twitter elsewhere do not stop this is important if anything build a preponderance of the evidence that, absolutely that you have been like you mentioned with you hey i've got a long history of writing that i didn't just come out of the word work as some kind of national front plot okay <laughs> or a but, grifter grifter right? right so you want to build the paper trail right now that yeah. this is who you've been all this time and so if and when the moment comes that they knock on your door you have established a paper trail of activity to show this is who i am this is this isn't some plot i'm an active engaged citizen and i have a right to speak and i have in the past that's exactly right and that's what they have to do and that's what all of us have to do last thing is can we can we as a country stay unified long term with people who are willing to weaponize the the institutions of government to this level against those who disagree with them man i wish you wouldn't ask me questions like that yeah can can we stay unified no we're we're, we're not unified but uh, you know I, I i will tell you this i have because of my work and because in my work i've been fair and the second part of my work is is that i am so uh, attempt to the details and the absolute truth of whatever story I'm working on. And as a result of that, I have journalists from the mainstream media that call me with 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 uh, information. They call mm-hmm. me wanting uh, information. And, and it goes right up to, you know, Tucker Carlson's producers calling me for information. Uh, so I'm getting those calls from both sides. And so I've found common ground on the other side by just telling the truth. That's it. Hmm. 
ThePragmaticConstitutionalist.com is his website, ThePragmaticConstitutionalist.com. Steve Baker, it's a pleasure, man. Thank you for pinging us and so we could connect and do this, and let's do this again in the not-too-distant future. I've been right? looking forward to it for a long time. Thanks, All right. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. We'll come back. It is time for Theology Thursday, and we will get to that here as we lead off Hour 2 in a moment. Back here with hour two, live and on demand, right here on Blaze TV radio and podcast. Steve Dace with Totters and Aaron McIntyre, and of course, all of you. Let us know what you think about what we think via the SteveDace.com inbox. Email the show, Steve at SteveDace.com, D E A C E. Like us on Facebook, MeWe Gab, and you can follow me at Steve Dace Show on Twitter, Getter, Instagram, and TikTok. And you can also find me over on Truth Social at Real Steve Dace there. Don't forget that if you like the podcast version, we like you too. Please show your like for us by leaving us a five-star review. Hit subscribe, or if it's iTunes, then follow. And thank you to all of you that have done those uh, either one or both of those things for us already. Thank you as well to our friends at Constitution Wealth Management. They've already helped our listeners align about $10 million dollars with their values since they came on board here at the beginning of this year. All right. So why do you want to go with them? It's quite simple. We are in a culture war of biblical proportions. And part of that means as often as possible, we need to align our money with our values. And that includes our portfolio. They're going to show you. It's not a choice anymore you have to make between a yield, a profit, an ROI, and your principles. You don't have to bankroll the very forces of the spirit of the age trying to end game your culture. They will help you align your portfolio with your principles at constitutionwealth.com slash Steve. Book an appointment today and you can get your retirement investments aligned with your values and help build the parallel economy together. That's constitutionwealth.com slash Steve. Constitutionwealth.com slash Steve. At the bottom of the hour, it is time for three non-political questions, but now it is time for Theology Thursday. And as we hinted at a couple of days ago, we are starting a brand new series here on the show. A good friend of mine suggested this book for a conversation. It is by Dr. Tony Evans, Returning God to Government is the subtitle. The main title is Kingdom Politics. That is the book we will be discussing and studying on Theology Thursday for the foreseeable future. Kingdom Politics, Returning God to Government. And gentlemen, as we begin the conversation this week, we're going to talk about the introduction. And I want to stop and talk about the very first paragraph of the entire book. Very first paragraph of the entire book. You cannot read the Bible and ignore the political realm. In fact, let's stop at the very first sentence. You cannot read the Bible and ignore the political realm. Let's do this one again. You cannot read the Bible and ignore the political realm. Pastors, are you listening? Do you you hear that sound? That's the sound of a thousand khaki pants. Screaming out in anguish. Indeed. 
he quantifies this with what he says in the rest of this paragraph. The Bible is thick with politics. You have four books, First and Second Kings and First and Second Chronicles, that deal with the rule and reign of government leaders. Scripture is packed with political concerns, including laws, statutes, enhances, or I'm sorry, ordinances, kingdoms, empires, courts, judges, kings and queens, taxes, and so much more. He goes on to say, God is active on virtually every page, engaging in the political affairs of humanity for both blessing and judgment. Let's say that one again. God is active on virtually every page, engaging in the political affairs of humanity for both blessing and judgment. Tony goes on to say on this very first page, Given this reality, it is unfortunate that God and politics are far too often disconnected from each other as though connecting them too closely is anathema. Now, one of the things that I hope we're going to discuss in this book, and I have had some very blunt things to say about the previous generation over the years on this show. Um, Pedro Gonzalez was tweeting out today how too much of conservative media is basically, can I get Trump to come speak at my event or get Don Jr. on my show? But I, I responded back to him, that's not new, actually. I mean, this, is, this all predated Trump. I mean, look what happened to the Tea Party. That got almost instantly co-opted. Look at, look, look at the, the... There's been three major non-establishment grassroots move, movements within the Republican Party in the last generation. There's been three of them. The first one, the OG, is the ascendancy of Christian conservatives within the GOP that began with the Reagan era. The next one was the Tea Party. And then the latest one, of course, is the MAGA movement. Those three. Those are the three primary anti-establishment movements that have been ascendant in the last generation of Republican Party politics. Well, let's look what happened to all three. The Christian conservative movement, now they didn't have social media yet. So the ability to monetize this on a mass scale like that didn't exist yet. So it took a while. But the Christian conservative movement had went from it in the 80s, elevating Ronald Reagan beyond and above the GOP establishment into the presidency and then helping him to get reelected. To by the time now... I, I become of age politically and start getting full-time involved politically as a Gen Xer in the early, uh, or the, 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 the aughts. By that period of time, that exact same movement, it was, it, in fact, let me take a step back. I was reading a book by a guy named James Robinson. He was one of the founders of the original Christian conservative movement. And um, there's a fascinating chapter in this book that he wrote. It's basically his his autobiography about how the Reagan revolution and Christian conservatives, how this came to be. And he tells a story about how Billy Graham, I think it was in 1978, had gone, had been invited to come speak at the Soviet Union in Red Square. Right. Okay. And so he, of course, takes them up on that opportunity. And then while he is there, he realizes that one of the reasons that that Brezhnev invited him there is they wanted to show off 
with him providing this massive global stage because Billy Graham's the most known person in, a, in the world at this point. And they wanted to use him as a platform to show off their military might. So yeah, they gave him an audience to preach the gospel, but they also were kind of using him to be a vehicle to further their own propaganda at the same time. And Graham, Graham said that while he was walking and praying through Red Square, he heard the Spirit tell him the United States has less than a thousand days of freedom left. And listen, it gets much better leadership. It's about to get run over. And he came back to the States and he calls this meeting of, of very prominent evangelical leaders, people that a lot of this audience would know these names. Small group of people are in this meeting. Adrian Rogers. In fact, I think in this meeting are three people who are either the current or future presidents of the Southern Baptist Convention are in this meeting. Pat Robertson, who's a charismatic, not a Southern Baptist in this meeting. And um, James is the youngest member in this meeting. And they just got together in Dallas and just prayed together about what to do. Who would this leader be? Graham was pretty adamant that after getting burned by Richard Nixon, he's like, I don't want to have anything else to do with cozying up to a politician. But I wonder, the country desperately needs somebody who can explain where we are. What about this former actor who used to be governor of California? Well, Reagan was actually telling people at that point in time he wasn't going to run again. He was done. After what happened in 76, he was done. So this group of Christian leaders basically went to him to draw him into the race. Like they're the, they're the alpha in the relationship. You see what I'm saying here? Mm -hmm. Like they're taking initiative. They're the alpha. And they're telling him, these are the things that, you know, we are looking for if we're going to rally our people to support you. And so later that summer they had this, or maybe it was the next summer, they had this massive million prayer march in the mall in Washington, D.C. Reagan is like the only Republican GOP candidate that comes to speak at it. And much of his own staff is like, what are you doing? Talking to these people, you know, you're, you're, you know, they're, they're, they're basically brainwashing you, but, but you can see who's the leader in this relationship. The Christian leaders are the one leading the relationship. They're the ones doing the discipling, the mentoring, and Reagan's basically following. That's the biblical model, right? By the time, by the time Todd, you and I's age group comes of age and starts actively taking a, a part in this in your, in your 30s, in the, in the 2000s, the same Pat Robertson who was in that meeting saying, well, well, we will go and call Ronald Reagan to run, is now endorsing Rudy Giuliani in the 2008 Iowa caucus or cycle primary because he's electable and the one who win. The guy that, you know, did, that was doing walks at gay pride parades in New York City, radically pro-baby killing. Jerry Falwell Jr. was a luminary. I'm sorry, Junior Jerry Falwell Sr. was a luminary in the original Christian right. Again, that exact same cycle, he endorses John McCain, who once called him an agent of intolerance. Why? Well, the polls show he could win. Now, it took longer for the Christian conservatives to get co-opted because there wasn't the immediate grift of, I can get 100,000 Twitter followers and monetize that. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So it took longer for that to sift and filter down into the water table. But eventually, by the time you and I's Gen X generation is now getting active and taking part in the public square, we are watching prominent Christian leaders who were once actually leading the politicians are now being led by them. By the time the Tea Party movement comes around, this is 
we're now at the nascent stages of social media. So this opportunity of, of viral content and becoming a, a massive entity and a ma- I remember the I remember the first CPAC I went to was at the was at the zenith of the Tea Party and there was this massive Tea Party news network. They sponsored the entire thing. They had this huge stage that was almost the entire you know entry foyer into the arena. Uh, for CPAC, they were omnipresent. Um, that that thing's gone already. It's been stripped down. Almost all those people are gone. Why? It was a grift. It was a grift. Everybody made their money. There's no more money to be made. They moved on. You see this now. I mean, I, th- there are some MAGA influencers that are extremely sincere. I know some of them are friends, good friends of mine. Then there's a lot of people that will literally just write scrub their Twitter accounts of things they were saying before so that they line up with whatever fearless leader is saying today because that's what they get paid to do. And so this has happened to all three of the, of the anti-establishment movements within the Republican Party. Eventually they get co-opted because we're not a movement, we're an industry. And that happened on the watch of the previous generation. But here's the false choice that I see you and I's generation making. The people that are ascending into the pulpits now to take the place of some of the men I just mentioned. Here's what I hear them doing and see them doing. And I know some of these people too. They're like, oh man, Steve, I don't want to be the next Pat Robertson endorsing, you know, Rudy Giuliani and just saying stupid and ridiculous things. And I'm like, congrats. I don't want you to be. So they're like, and that's just why I'm just not going to engage at all. I'm just going to sit here in my church. We're just going to preach the gospel as if you are in some form of bubble. As if the gospel is a singularity. It's not transcendent over time and space, but it exists outside of time and space. Like when you enter into the realm of the gospel, the surrounding relationships, distractions, temptations, um, in, imperfections of the world around us, suddenly you have stepped into a nexus, a nirvana. And these things just no longer live and no longer exist. You're immune of them. You're immune from them. I think, I think, I think that might even be a worse choice than what the previous generation made. Because at least at some point, the whore gets paid, right? I mean, at some point, the John leaves his money on the table, right? I mean, you're getting used. You're getting abused. You're, you're having um, intimate parts of your humanity essentially just sold out for nothing. But at some point, the John does leave his money on the counter, and you can buy your next pack of cigarettes or, you know, you know, you, you know mm-hmm. go out to dinner. At some point, there is a transaction takes place. You will get something in return. Now, it's not worth what you're giving up, and you're still being used. But you will get at least something, right? What do we get out of, well, that's just, you know, the world out there, and I'm not going to engage it at all. You're getting nothing now. Let me tell you what you're getting. One block from where your church is is a public library, and the same Sunday that you're having church services, that public library is having dudes drop their hairy ball sacks on kindergartners and calling it story time hour. You're getting that. That's your getting. You're getting that. I mean, you get it. Dude, we can have all kinds of 2020 as hindsight arguments. 
that BoomerCon made all kinds of prostitutional deals with the Republican Party that they that didn't justify the level of of, of put out they were granting it right mm-hmm. but did they get drag queen story time hour did they get that were there were there kids being handed books in schools that showed here's how to give another man uh, oral sex they weren't that wasn't going down though was it mm-hmm. so I I, I, I I fear our generation may make an even worse deal we may swing the pendulum from we are just nothing more than this is the church of the Republican Party. This is God's own party. OK, we, we, th- that we may swing the pendulum from that to we will have nothing prophetic to say to this culture at all for fear of looking political. So by all means, the force of darkness, you have complete total hegemony over the policy making realm of this culture. It's all yours. We, you didn't win. We just abrogated and lost and walked away. That might even be worse than being a prostitute, because at least the prostitute at some point gets a little jingle in her pocket. In this case, we're getting nothing and asking for nothing more and saying, thank you, I, I, I won't demand more. And at a time that we are seeing evil escalate throughout the culture, your thoughts? I have a lot uh, going through my head as you spoke. Uh, Tony Evans, and maybe he, have you, are you going chapter by chapter yeah. as well, or you have yes. read the whole book? I'm not, okay. Yeah, I'm taking it so, piecemeal. Yeah. So he may end up uh, talking about uh, this, but the, the first 11 chapters of the Bible talk about almost all of human history. The rest after that, uh, is just a uh, is a is a smaller fraction of that, and this goes to what Steve said in that first sentence: politics. What is the root of that? Polis, city, lar- groups of people living together. Well, just it. You don't even need to go through uh, kings and chronicles. Chronicles certainly challenging uh, uh, to get through some of the stories uh, of kings far more known but we all know the stories of those first 11 chapters they're told to us as children and the last two biggies are all about what just Steve talked about and forsaking that duty forsaking that duty of talking about the polis and God's sense of order and destiny for it. Because you have Noah, things go bad with the polis, things get wiped out. Mm-hmm. You have uh, the Tower of Babel, you start getting the order of things wrong with God, not shutting your hole and knowing your role appropriately. What were we just talking about? Uh, life or. Uh, on the show, uh, life, uh, life or madness, chaos, life or madness. another word for it. you, yep. you get literal chaos. This is why you, if you want to pull back and some of us, we've all talked away the way we reorder our lives to protect our family, do our duty as men, do our duty as fathers, we reorder, but we're not, we don't pull back. We don't go in a hole. We're not charged to do that. We can't do that. As, as I've said, we keep getting this wrong. I've said this in multiple ways on the show. I, I, women are having uh, are either having to do far too much in the case of Moms for Liberty or Sarah Gonzalez, or in most cases are just not capable of doing everything that they've lied to themselves of keeping it. On the other hand, men, you're lying to yourselves. You're way too comfortable. 
you're, you're, you're not doing nearly enough. And it speaks to exactly what's the, the price of not doing that. What's the price? It, it is total chaos. And again, the stories you know. You don't have to do a deep dive, and that's why I expect Tony Evans will probably bring these stories up. It is right there in the first 11 chapters. You forsake your duty to order the polis appropriately. Politics, nothing short of chaos is your destiny. I mean, that's, that's cash money, homie. I mean, we go through... Go, we can go through... Just continue the history. The, continue the line of history you cited biblically. Let's go to Nimrod. Mm-hmm. What does he represent? Essentially, he, he is a conquering alliance of world governments against the kingdom of God. He is a he is a proto version. He is a precursor of what an antichristical kingdom will look like. What is an what's an antichristical kingdom? One that is a political alliance of the nations of this world in opposition to the kingdom of God. All right, Jesus. Who is Je- who ultimately determines whether Jesus is to be executed or not? It is not the it is not the religious council of the Sanhedrin. It is the Roman government, the political seat of authority, the alliance, the political alliance of the nations of this world in opposition to the kingdom of God. They are both subjecting God's people to Jews. They're subjecting them on one hand. And on the other hand, they are they are going to be the instrument used to try to suppress the messianic movement that will then now follow the nation of Israel. This history goes throughout. It's absolutely inescapable. Every government in the history of this world has claimed to either be God, a representative of God, or to get their marching orders to then give you your marching orders from a God. There has never been one that did not. Every single one did. So this idea that you're going to vacate this realm, and that gets to the question, Aaron, is there a way to do this without becoming prostitutes of the of a political party? I, I would suggest there's lots of ways of doing it. Um, we've just not tried them very often. Yeah, the full counsel of, of the word of God comes to mind, <laughs> preaching that uh, first and foremost. And in, in you know, kind of asking the question, you know, what, what do you get? What do you get when, you know, you're asked to engage in the culture? And we're talking about pastors who stand for something here, stand for, uh, on, on the word of God, believe, um, believe orthodox, small o orthodox, but for one reason or another, refuse to engage with culture and politics. What do you get? I would submit that you get the church of Laodicea. You're neither hot nor cold. There's a lot of cold churches. For those of you listening, I just used air quotes. There's a lot of cold churches who have just completely abandoned small-o orthodoxy. There's one about five minutes away from you, Steve. And if you live in central Iowa, you know exactly whom I'm talking about. There's a lot of churches like that who have just thrown, thrown, walked away. They're not even churches anymore. You're not believers. You're not Christians. You don't really stand for anything whatsoever. You're just a tool of the spirit of the age. There are not very many hot churches, but there are a lot of churches who preach personal piety, who preach reading the word, who might even teach the word, but not in its fullness, but teach the word accurately. But then the application of that doesn't really go beyond the walls of the homes of the people that attend those churches or the walls of the church itself, the physical walls. And so you have something that amounts to effectively a lukewarm church. And that's not that 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 church doesn't end up very very good. 
I think the, the problem, and we, we talked about this a little bit, I know we need to get to the rest of the introduction, we talked about this a little bit earlier this week, even pastors, even churches that stand for something like that actually have orthodoxy fall into one of two ditches. And I think there's a big confusion about personal piety with righteousness. Mm-hmm. That is a huge, you know what that looks like? Uh, for those of you listening, I'm doing the furrowed brow. That looks like <laughs> Mike Pence. Yes, it does. Yeah. Yes, it does. I want, this is the other point I wanted to make sure we addressed here talking about Tony's introduction. It astounds me that in all the talk permeating the airwaves around water coolers over dinners and among Christian friends concerning elections, candidates, parties, and platforms, how little a biblically based theistic worldview seems to enter the equation. And I have talked for years on this show about young man graduates out of the youth group of a church, meets a girl there and wants to get married to her. And he goes to the pastor and says, hey, I didn't have the greatest example of, a, of a, what a husband is supposed to look like growing up. Can you mentor me according to the word of God of, you know, what's expected of me as a husband? That pastor will say, of course. Then, mm-hmm. you know, sometime later, she gets pregnant. He's about to have a child. He goes back to that same pastor and says, you know what, I've never... I didn't really have a good father either growing up. So I'm not really sure what the right example is. Can you help me according to the word of God to mentor me to know what it means to be a good dad? That same pastor is going to say, okay. Later on, he has started a business. He's successful. He's got money now. He wants to be a good steward of that money. He goes back to that pastor and says, you know what? I, I grew up poor. We didn't have any money. I've got more money than I ever imagined now. And I want to be a good steward of it. Can you mentor me according and show me what the word of God says is the right way to be that kind of a good manager, a good steward. That same pastor is going to say, of course, right? Mm-hmm. A few more years go by. Maybe he's got a little bit of salt there in the, in the temple. His kids are either grown or about to be out of the house. And he starts really thinking about the future. And he thinks maybe it's time to run for office. And suddenly he goes to that exact same pastor and says, you know, I think God might be calling me to run for office. But, I mean, can you show me according to the word of God? What am I, what am I allowed to do? What am I not allowed to do? What compromises can I make? I mean, let's face it. We don't have a lot of good examples right now. That same pastor suddenly says, good luck to you, son. We don't talk politics in the church. And we're done here. We're just totally done as a civilization, totally done, undone on all the previous levels you mentored him as a manager, as a steward, as a husband, as a father, all undone because headship runs the culture, the kingdom of God, the creation runs on the principle of headship. The idea that you're going to have like these really fundamentally sound families while the fish is rotting at the top from the head on a soul level, on a moral level, is not true. Eventually, that degradation will filter down in to your kitchen table. And that's what you were talking about earlier. There's this section of the book that I also wanted to highlight that goes along with what we just said. Tony writes... Yet where do we often go for answers as a nation when there is chaos in our country? Where do we turn for solutions when we are experiencing moral, social, or economic decline at a rate that is able to destroy our country before our youngest generation even has a chance to grow up? What do we do when divisions, debt, and our own internal protests across our land threaten what little stability we have left? What most Christians do, unfortunately, is change books. When it comes to politics and elections, far too many Christians spend more time appealing to family, history, tradition, culture, racial expediency, personal personal preferences, etc., than they do what the Bible teaches. While most Christians verbally affirm Scripture is good enough for individual families and churches, it seems somehow that it has been deemed insufficient for how we respond to politics and government. And that is a summation 
what he quantifies right here is a summation for why when we launched this show in August of 2011, I have done this show the way I have done it for the last 12 years, right there. We have this formidable weapon, this undefeated weapon of mass information and destruction called the Word of God. And we have just, we've muzzled it. We've looked away from it as if it has nothing to say. Now listen, if, if you want to go on doing the same grifting and the same access-based seat at the table, let me, let me snuggle and spoon with the king so I'll get a seat at his banquet table. If you want to go on doing that, and he'll give you some crumbs, maybe give you a little bit here and there so that you can go back to your base and say, see, look at this great victory I have for you. If that's your, if that's your plan, then you're right to ignore the word of God because it won't let you get away with that. It won't. Now, if you actually want to win a culture war, then I would suggest consulting with the book that has won every war it has ever fought. It is the only undefeated word and undefeated tome in all of human history. But it really comes down to what level of humility exists in our own hearts that we're willing to consult that. You're willing to consult that if it means you got to take the dirt road? If it means... You might have to do something other than try to get rich off this process. If it means you might have to take a stand that might make you unpopular, even with your friends and family. If it means you might have to be willing to endure some level of suffering for what you believe in. I mean, those are the reasons to not consult this book. If you want to just keep doing what you're doing, we're just going to watch Fox. I'm going to vote Republican to save America. And if you want to just keep doing that, then the Bible is not for you. It will not affirm that. If you actually want to defeat the forces of darkness that have manifested themselves politically in our culture, it will provide you a very simple to understand tutorial about how to go about doing so. It's just the process of doing that may not be what lines your pocket and makes you very popular with the very people that are trying to destroy our way of life. And that's the choice that we all have to make whenever we get involved politically. And too often, frankly, we've chosen poorly. If you want to breathe some life into your own backyard, you can do so with FastGrowingTrees.com. This spring, from shade to fresh fruit to privacy, maybe just natural beauty, let FastGrowingTrees.com help you plant your dream garden with their expert advice and fast, reliable shipping. They curate thousands of easy-to-grow plant, shrub, and tree varieties for your unique climate. Meyer lemons to evergreens and everything in between. Um, what was the fruit that Daniel Horowitz said he got from fast growing trees? It was key lime. He has a key lime tree there in suburban Baltimore where he lives with his family there. That's pretty cool. All right. So you can do that and so much more at plant at uh, fast growing trees and their experts are always available to help you keep your plants and trees growing healthy through the season and beyond. No more waiting in long lines, hauling heavy plants, and then you get all that dirt and everything all over your car. This stuff arrives right at your front door in just a matter of days. You can join over 1.5 million happy fast growing trees customers by going to fastgrowingtrees.com 
Amazon.com slash Steve and get 15% off your entire order, 15% off your entire order at fastgrowingtrees.com slash Steve. Time now for three non-political questions. Maybe, eventually. My computer just froze up. I'm sorry, Anna. No cool intro today. No. Hopefully that is not an omen of what is to come. How you doing, princess? What would you guys do during the purge? Ask, answer, answer, answer. No. (laughs) I have thoughts. I'm just kidding. I'm doing well. How are you, dad? I am doing well. Just, you need to know, and it's my fault. You know, you're the, you're the youngest here. I should have, I should have warned you. Um, Todd would not mind whatsoever being the reason why we are not able to do this show anymore. So just keep that in mind when you bring us these questions. <laughs> okay. Right? okay. I, you know, I learned okay. that lesson the hard way. Yes. All right. So what do we got this week? So my first question for all of you is if you could be a fly on the wall during any moment in history, what would it be? A fly on the wall during any moment in history? Any moment. Any moment. Well, I... I this is going to sound like a weird question, all right? But I promise there's a legit reason I'm asking. Okay. Do, is, is being multilingual an option? <laughs> I was thinking about that, too. You know what I'm saying? Because, like, I'd love to be a fly on the wall when Jesus and Pontius Pilate are meeting, you know. You know yeah, uh, let's say yes. But I don't, I, don't know, I, I don't know Greek, Latin, and Aramaic. All right, so, yeah, so, you can't so, be so like do I have, like, a like... universal translator on me? Yeah, let's just say you're, like, an all... I don't want to say all-knowing, but in all... Yeah, you can speak all languages. You're all right. a great... In, like You're the most fantastic okay. fly that's okay. ever existed. Okay, all right. So that helps quite a bit then. Okay. okay. So then I, you know, to be a fly on the wall... Um, I mean, we have, we have the word to tell us what went down, but to see the reactions, to see them myself, or Jesus at the temple confronting uh, the, the religious leaders, all right? I mean, I, to, to see that for itself and to, to be, you know, to have a firsthand account of something like that, I think that's what I would choose. Can, can we take creation off the table, too? Yeah, yeah, I, I okay. think that's, I think that, that's what yeah, I, I, yeah. the minute I asked that, I was honestly thinking, I was like, yeah, okay. you guys better not be like, I want to be the first fly ever on the wall. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yes, I am the first fly. Yeah. Yes, I like it. I was it. like, one of you guys is That's pretty brilliant. That. I didn't even think of that, actually. That's good. Yes. What do you think, Todd? Oh, I... I Jesus juking seems to be the easiest thing in the world, but, the, the, you know, the resurrected... Lord is in the upper room when he walks in. He's probably like, yeah, dude. But let's. I mean, you know that that's actually given that that is the most significant event to occur in human history that did or did not happen. Okay. Yeah. Everything in all of human history from that moment is determined by whether you believe it did or did not happen. That has to be the answer, right? You're a fly on the wall of the upper room, basically. Yes. That has to be the answer. You're right. Yeah. But I think in terms of as an American, modern American history, I I think there are several times during uh, World War II, you know, kind of the way a scene was painted in the darkest hour. And I don't know if that particular scene 
was done to try to encapsulate a lot of conversations Churchill had, but when he goes on the subway and just talks with normal people and the gravity, you just feel the gravity, you know, the planning for D-Day, mm-hmm. just the, the 48 hours before D-Day and Eisenhower and, and Marshall and some of those conversations, knowing what they were about to lead uh, men into, uh, I, I, you know, there's, that's, that's undaunted courage right there. Hmm. Aaron, so that man, I, I know I don't want to, I don't want to Jesus juke either. I think being a fly on the wall of the ark, both right as the flood begins and as it subsides, that would be incredible. We've been going through Genesis at church and I didn't, I didn't even thought of this before. It was conceivable there were at least as many, if not more, people on the planet pre-flood than there are at this very moment. Have you guys ever thought of that? That's mm. crazy to that me. That is crazy. Um, but I think that would be, that. I mean, just imagining the world pre-flood and seeing that, that would be, that would be cool. As far as American history goes, oh man, a fly on the wall of Francis Edward Coy, the inventor of the Coy pond. No, I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> I think is his name really Francis Edward Coy. I just made that up. Pulled it out of a dark, stinky place. You could have complete. You could have just rambled on. I would have bought the whole thing. I didn't know. Okay, all right. I, I know what I do to you in the purge. <laughs> Drown him in a koi pond. Yes, yes. I'm I'm the one in Todd's yard. <laughs> Came to the wrong door. The wrong door. Um, he chose poorly. Yeah. I I think it would just be awesome during the signing of the Declaration of Independence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just to see this, not really the main conversation, there are pretty good accounts yeah. of what's going on, but to hear the side conversations that are going on, mm-hmm. like, are we really sure about, I, I yeah. would like, to, I, I, I want to see if there's, you know, 100% resolve in the room, or if there were like, this, this is truly so helpful. Similar with D-Day. So, yeah. yeah so. I mean, they're, they're either about to hand momentum back to the Nazis yeah. or essentially deal them a mortal blow. Right. I mean, there's, there's no, there's no in-between yeah. outcome to this, right? Yeah. So, yeah, it means kind of the same conversation, yep. just a different era. All right, before we get to the next question, this is a good segue to talk about our friends over at Patriot Mobile. I know a lot of us are, are pining away for the emergence of the parallel economy. Is there a way to stop, whenever possible, directly funding people who hate us? And unfortunately, there's just not. Thankfully, one of the ways that you can do that, though, is with our friends over at Patriot Mobile America's only really American mobile phone company. And right now, if you make the switch, um, you get a free activation with the offer code Steve. Free activation with the offer code Steve. Now, here's one of the reasons why you're going to want to make a switch. You're going to want to make the switch not just because now you can give your money to a company that shares your values, but it's also a hell of a company. For example, you get access to all three major networks. You can switch networks anytime for free by being a customer. You move to a part of town where one signal is stronger than the other or another part of the country. They'll make that switch for you whenever it's convenient for you at Patriot Mobile. So today, make the switch. PatriotMobile.com slash Steve. If you're a veteran or first responder, let them know. You'll get extra special savings, the way of saying thank you for your service. PatriotMobile.com slash Steve or call 878-PATRIOT, 878-PATRIOT. Anastasia. So my next question is, what is the biggest misconception about you? Like, what do you think is the number one thing that people get wrong about each of you? Did I smack my lips enough this episode? Because I decided to do it another day. Yeah. 
Um, what's the number one thing I think people get wrong about me? I don't know because I'm, I'm, you know, I still think people think I'm like holding back some like secret information mm. when I'm, I, I mean, I, I've got to be among the most transparent people that do, that does this for a living. Okay. I mean, almost uncomfortably so. So I, I do think that still people think I have some like finger on the button or I'm, I'm behind the scenes. I'm doing, uh, uh, the reality is I, I will disclose anything to you that doesn't violate a third party confidence. All right. Short of that. So I guess, are there things that I do with other parties that I don't tell you that could be impactful because I can't, because it would violate a, con a confidence. I guess that's true, but it's not with the intent to conceal it from you. It's just because I, I, there's another party or persons involved that I can't tell you. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty transparent. You don't have to guess what my motivations are. You don't have to translate what I'm trying to say. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty blunt and direct where that stuff is concerned. What would you say, Todd? This is an amazing question, considering this was something that was on my mind at the end of our Tony uh, Evans conversation, and I was going to bring it up ultimately, and it's a conversation I just had yesterday, and it's from uh, one of my closest Christian friends, and he knows a lot of people through the circus he and who are know and aware of me, what I do, how I do it. And they always, he says, they constantly come to me. And these are usually Christian men. He's like, you know, we, we agree with uh, a lot of what he's trying to do generally, but he just does not come across as loving. Mm. And, and so, and he always tests them, first of all, well, like, have you ever tried? If you, you, you're, you have the ability to be around him, and they do oftentimes. Have you tried to get to know him personally so you can, so, and no, the answer. But also beyond that, he says, so you generally agree that the cost is just, but you, it's a tone, it's basically a tone conversation. Mm -hmm. And he says, it's, do, would you agree that he's taking on flack and bullets all the time for causes that he could easily not do it? And for, and it affects people that aren't just his family. So strangers, and they, they agree with that. He says, so taking on all of that hate because the, the thing, everybody, is worth fighting for. The truth, the good, the true, and the beautiful. Yes, they agree. And he tells them, I just had this conversation yesterday. He said, Who do, he's talking to Christian men. Mm -hmm. Who does that sound like? The Lord. And, and so that's not presumptuous on my part. It's what we are all, the four of us in this room and every, be perfect as he is perfect. Are you willing to bear your cross? Are you willing to suffer for the cause? It's all right in there. And people are mystified in this culture with this much chaos mm -hmm. that people hate me for it. Jesus actually said, they hated me. What do you think they're going to do to you? Which is why I, it's a, it seems providential that you ask the question because that's why we need to discuss this book so badly. If Christian men are that stupefied that love means some saying it, testifying to it makes for some suffering. We need to really go back to what Steve says. Hey, gentlemen, this is a football. Just briefly, I'm trans boomer. I was born in the wrong body. I've got a little bit of boomer in me. That's what people get wrong about me. 
gosh. Trans boomer. I like it. All right. One more before we get to Anna's final question. Don't forget our friends over at My Patriot Supply. If things seem a little crazy right now, it's because they're a lot crazy. All right. And so that is why you want to make sure when the time comes, you are prepared with our friends at My Patriot Supply. You can get their outstanding emergency food kit. That's breakfast, lunch, dinner, even drinks and snacks. The full complement of 2,000 plus calories a day that you need. Uh, and it stays good for up to 25 years with proper storage right now when you go to MyPatriotSupply.com. Again, head over to MyPatriotSupply.com. They will deliver it discreetly. I don't know, maybe you maybe you want your neighbors to know that you're the prepper. You're ready. Bring it. But if you want to just hey, keep this on the download, download they will absolutely download it to you uh, discreetly. And you'll get free shipping as well when you go to MyPatriotSupply.com. That's MyPatriotSupply.com. Okay, and a final question. Well, really quick though, like I was also going to say a similar answer that Todd said for you, dad, because I was thinking about this like a lot when I was driving this morning Mm -hmm. and like, I don't know, it made me think because a lot of people ask me like, is he really like that with you guys? Like, is he really like all the time? Just like, bam, bam, bam. Like, so like, and I'm like, he's really not, you know what I'm saying? Like, not that you're like fake on the air, Mm -hmm. but it's more so that you're just like loving and caring with us. Like I was just thinking about how... When you like got that, out of line, was I bam, bam, bam? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it's because we're loving and caring yeah. that yeah. we go yeah. bam, bam, bam. I yeah. mean, yeah. and that is not, it. it's never, oh, that's not medicine that people want to have go down. Yeah. It just isn't. And it never has been. It's not new story. It's in that book called the Bible. And what we're doing here, unfortunately, do we get a lot of time to talk about what's loving and caring going on in a <laughs> no. culture right now? A lot of the culture is, uh, is, 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 uh, is going is out of line, right? Yeah. So it needs some bam, bam, bam. 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 Yeah. yeah. You know? <laughs> so there you go. That's yeah. your guys' new segment, I guess. Yes. Bam, bam, bam. Bam, 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 or loving or caring. Which one are we doing today? <laughs> yeah. Yes. All right. Yes. And then my last question for you guys is more of a fun one. What is an irrational fear of yours? Um, An irrational fear of mine. Um. Yeah, like I don't want to hear, I want to hear like funny ones. Like I don't want to be like, well, I fear for the end of this country. No, I can't can't do, I mean, I I can't do rodents. I can't. I I just, (laughs) I I cannot. I I just, (laughs) you know, I just paid, we we found, we've lived in this house for 17 years. We we saw two mice in the basement. I I just paid $2,000 to put like an entire barrier around the the entire (laughs) circumference of my house. I just, I, I can't, I, I, the, the, I don't know what it is. And I don't care about bugs. You guys saw me kill every bug imaginable growing up. I don't care about stuff like that. You know, you grow up in Florida for a few years, you, you know, cockroaches are almost omnipresent. The scurrying of the little rodents, I cannot do something about it bothers me. It's like fingernails on a chalkboard. I cannot do rodents. And so, man, that's a no. That's DM a, me that, if you want me to put a fake mouse in the day's household and that film is a, it. That is DM an absolute right no. Oh, hell no for me. <laughs> Cannot happen. I can't do it. That's that's mine. We've talked about this on the show before. It's it's heights involved with like ledges. And it, what, it has oh, to get yeah. to a certain point. It's not like, but it, there's something, like if I'm up at the, like the fourth story of the Mall of America mm-hmm. and there the, the, the railings are like glass. Yeah. And you know, my, I, it, it, the, and my, you know, little, when I've been there with little kids, my little kids, you know, and they're getting close to it. And I just, you, you can feel like something working 
on like every pore of my being and it's it it's totally irrational because and i it just I, you, you you in your head you're cognitive of the fact i mean i think that's the point you like this is you mm -hmm. just try to talk yourself out of the chaos but it's just like overwhelming it's bizarre it's weird friends and family who show up unannounced yes. for oh, yes. <laughs> knocking on my door <laughs> and for that i will make you fear i will yes. make you afraid good that's great all right, that'll do it for today's show. We are back at it again tomorrow, noon to 2 Eastern, right after Glenn Beck, right here on Blaze TV. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.